Bibles and turn to the book of Jeremiah. We'll be reading Jeremiah chapter 25, verses 4 through 7. And as is our custom, I'll read the first verse. You read the next verse and read every other verse with me. That's Jeremiah 25, beginning at verse number 4, going through verse number 7. Jeremiah 25, 4. And the Lord hath sent unto you all his servants, the prophets, rising early and sending them. But ye have not hearkened nor inclined your ear to hear. They said, Turn ye again now, every one, from his evil way and from the evil of your doings, and dwell in the land that the Lord hath given unto you and to your fathers forever and ever. And go not after other gods to serve them and to worship them, and provoke me not to anger with the works of your hands, and I will do you no hurt. Yet ye have not hearkened unto me, saith the Lord, that ye might provoke me to anger with the works of your hands to your own hurt. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love to us, Lord, and thank you for your goodness. Father, as always, thank you for the fact that we have a church and that we have a pastor. Pray, Father, that you would bless this time. I pray, Father, that each individual here, Lord, would receive something from you today, Lord, that would help them in their spiritual needs. I pray, Father, you would fill our pastor with the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for him. Keep a hedge of protection about him, Lord. Please bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen.
<laughs> well, that's beautiful. And again, I want to thank you for taking time to, to be here this morning. And I uh, hope today uh, will be a blessing to you and a help to you. As I was writing this out, I wrote this, I hope today we will look deep within our souls, our minds, our thinking. As I was preparing this message, I, I asked the Holy Spirit to open our minds to truth. You know, sometimes it's just, uh, you know, the preaching, teaching can just become informational. But honestly, this, this message, as much as any that I've preached along the way, uh, since I've been here these few months, uh, I want it to be transformational, not just informational. And I pray the Holy Spirit opens our minds to truth, but this truth honestly may be about ourselves when, when we see it. We have to look at ourselves. We have to look inside ourselves and, and know whether God's speaking to us about us. When He has opened our minds and our ears to hear, then we may need to humble ourselves. Now let me take that back. We will need to humble ourselves. And in order to accept the truth, we must humble ourselves. And so I'm going to try to just preach a very, very simple truth to you today. But uh, Randy, if you come on up here, and uh, probably I'm going to have you just sit in my chair. You're taking over today. It's amazing how much you can change. I just became incredibly, incredibly ugly. Um, <laughs> you got that little thing? All right. Now, what Randy has here is in his pocket is he has, oops, he has his God. Man, uh, that's not really God. You're looking at me like, really? Um, this is just a little picture. And, and the truth is, is that it's kind of the way we are with God. We kind of just carry him around in our pocket. And if we really need him, we'll pull him out and say, wow, you know, I just think, do you, you have any opinion about this? But until I need him, he's just going to stay in my pocket. And so for a little while now, Randy's going to sit back here and God's going to stay. You don't have a pocket. Oh, yeah, you do. All right. There you go. Going to stay in his pocket. If he misbehaves, somebody tell me, all right? He won't. He'll go to sleep. But um, the, uh, before I was saved, and I was 20 years of age before I got saved, but you know, as a college student in, in Memphis, and uh, I had played just a little bit of football there, and, and then uh, became the Tiger mascot, amen? I found out that's a whole lot easier than practicing football. So... Uh, it was a lot more fun, actually, but, uh, but before I got saved, I was always the one who looked forward. I was always looking forward into my future. What's, what's it going to be? You know, when I, we had those eight guys living in the apartment, I was probably the youngest guy in that group, yet I was the one that collected all the money and paid the rent. I remember one time I was sick. I was laid out. I actually was sick. I'd hurt my back in gymnastics, and I was laid out on the floor, 
and the rent and the utilities need to be paid. And I called a couple of guys and I said, you guys, you got to go pay it. And they're all looking at me like, where do we go? What do we do? You mean it's, it's due now? I said, yeah, it happens on the first of each month. And, and, uh, and they just, they, they didn't know. And, uh, but that's the way I was. I was always looking toward the future and how things were going to affect me in the future. Now, I'll be honest with you, I was a guy that enjoyed the present. I was pretty much, you know, a guy that really enjoyed the, the present. My nickname at, at Memphis State was the crazy man or the wild man. There's no reason for that, but, uh, uh, but uh, that's who I was. But I enjoyed the present, but I was always looking toward the future and what life would be. As I viewed the future, I kept seeing the same thing no matter what I majored in or studied. And I changed my major three times. I started out in pre-veterinary medicine because my dad wanted a veterinarian in the family. Some, and the only reason he wanted a veterinarian is so that he wouldn't have to pay to get his cows worked on. <laughs> and so I started out in pre-veterinary, a year and a half of that, and I decided this is not what I want to do with my life. And so I thought, okay, what do I do next? Well, I was pretty good at math, so I thought I'll go into accounting. Any accountants here? God bless you, that's good, because that's mental retardation there. I mean... <laughs> Wow, sit in a room and just, you know, punching numbers all day long. And that was, and back then too, it was just, you know, on, on ancient machines. Uh, it was just, okay, I, these ledger books and, you know, debits and credits. I was like, okay, a year of that and I'm done with that. So I said, I, you know, I got to do something different. I went to registration one day and the registration line for accounting was really, really long. Now, I don't know why, but it was really long, and I'm kind of an impatient person, so I did not want to wait. So I changed my major by looking at which line was the shortest. I'm not kidding. And I found out that criminal justice was pretty short at that moment, so I went over to criminal justice, and, and uh, that's what I majored in. And so... Uh, I, and so as I viewed the future, I kept seeing the same thing, though. No matter what I majored in or studied, no matter the career I entered after college. And I was a police officer for a while. And then I was, uh, you know, for a very short, about six months, a detective. And, and, uh, and then, then I went into business. And, and I kept searching for something, but I kept ending up with the same answer. Before I got saved and after I got saved. I'm going to describe it to you. My future life consisted of getting up, eating breakfast, going to work, to make money, to buy things, to go home, to eat, to watch TV, to go to bed so I can get up, so I can eat breakfast, so I can go to work. And that's what it was. And I said, why? Why live like that? Here's what I came to the conclusion. I was living to exist, and I was existing to live. That's it. I was just living to exist and existing just so I could continue to live. Even after being saved, I tried to find peace and purpose, but nevertheless, this was still my future. I got married, and what I did was I brought another life into this with me, but now there's just two of us that are living to exist and existing to live. 
Then we had children, and, and, and honestly, you find some semblance of purpose in your children, but here's the problem. You found a little bit of purpose, but you're rearing children to live, to exist, to exist, to live. And here's where you're going to have to really look inside. Is that where you are? Do you get up to eat breakfast, to go to work, to make money, to buy things, to come home, to eat supper, to watch TV, to go to bed so you can get up, to go to work, to eat, bre- you know, eat breakfast, go to work, make money, buy things, come home, eat, eat supper, watch TV, go to... Why? The question came to me, how can this existence or this exist until I die futility be changed? How can I change this? How can I escape this? And I'll be honest with you, right before I got saved, I was at the point where I was literally at the point of, uh, I don't think I would have taken my own life, but I was at the point of where I would spend nights trying to go to sleep or trying to find some peace where I would just say, what is the purpose of living? Why did I have to be born just to exist till I die? How can I change this? How is this going to be changed? And I'm going to tell you that it began to be changed for us in a little church out in Cairoville, Tennessee. I was on duty one day, and and honestly, what I was doing was I was going going to work at the police department. I would come in about 3, 30, 4 o'clock. I would walk in the door, uh, and, and, and somewhere, you know, in the next hour or so, we were going to have supper, and I'm going to, you know, sit down and turn on the old TV, you know, the kind you used to pull the button out on. And, uh, and I'm going to turn on the old TV, and I'm going to sit down there, and I'm going to watch reruns of reruns of reruns of Andy and Mayberry and the Beverly Hillbillies. And whatever's else on there, uh, you know, in the afternoon for about, you know, 30-minute shows, you know, for about three hours worth of them. And you say, why? Because that's all and all, and we only had three stations. And I'm going to stare at it. And if my wife tried to talk to me, I'm going to hush her down. Why? Because it's important to know what Jed's going to do. And then I'm going to get up and eat. And then I'm going to go back and watch some more and then watch. I'm going to fall asleep watching something or I'm going to fall asleep somewhere tonight. Why? So I can get up, so I can go back to this routine the next day. And one day I was there working and I came home and my wife is on a Sunday. And my wife said, you got to go with me. you got to go with me to this church. And, and, and she'd been a, a good woman. She had gotten directions to a church and she got lost and she ended up with this other church. And, uh, and so she, she had gone to church that morning and she came back. She said, you got to hear this guy preach. And, and I went that night and honestly, something happened to me that night. Something happened as I listened to him preach the word of God. And God began to work in my heart and, and God began to move in our lives. And over the next six months, our hearts and our lives were transformed. Say, so what was so transforming? We found there was a reason to live. 
You say, what is that reason? Here's the reason. I'm living here so God can be God of my life. You want your whole perspective to change, then let God be God. Jeremiah 25, verse 4 says, And the Lord has sent unto you all his servants, the prophets, rising early and sending them. But ye have not hearkened nor inclined your ear to them. Did you know what? God sent us. Watch this. He sent us all his prophets. We got all of them. They said, Turn ye again now, everyone from his evil way and from the evil of your doings. And dwell in the land that the Lord God hath given unto you and to your fathers forever and ever. And, and watch this now. Uh, just to read that, we kind of kind of tense up in this generation because, oh, you said something's evil. Oh, you said something's bad. We can't do that. Oh. Calm down, folks. God said there's evil in this world. And guess what? We are sinners. Now, I'm not saying anybody in here is any worse than anybody else. Except I know I'm better than you are. But anyway, no. we're not. There's, not. there's not a man on this platform. And that's obvious because I brought Randy up here. None of us are any better than anybody else. And all of us deal with evil. He said, verse 6, And go not after other gods to serve them, to worship them, to provoke me not to anger. I want you to notice these little words there. With the works of your hands. For God says, I will do you no hurt. Now, he said, just let me be God. Don't go molding your own God. Now, Randy, if you come here for a second, bring me your God now. Here's, here's the next step. We know not only good Christians, most of us pretty much have a God that we sort of keep in our pocket. And if we really, 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 really need him, we pull him out. Hello? Okay. But now, watch this. Here's what our next step, though, is even worse. He says, yet ye have not hearkened unto me, saith the Lord, that ye might provoke me to anger with the works of your hands to your own hurt. Here's what we do. It's not enough that we keep God in our pocket. Sometimes we keep God out and we reshape him and make him what we want him to be. Now the whole time he's supposed to be making us. We make him. Go ahead. Do I need a 10-year-old here? You say, why do you have Randy doing this? Because I couldn't figure this crazy thing out. <laughs> Are you getting nervous? No. My sermon's going to be over soon. So. <laughs> ah, can you see the little tiny truck? You see, the, oh, that's so cute, and that's what most of us have. We've shaped our own little cute God. He doesn't even really remind us of, of God. He takes us wherever we want to go. Do whatever we want to do. Because we've made our own God. By the works of our hands. 
Sit down there, Randy. Say, so what, what are you talking about? I believe that our lives can start to be transformed if we start believing there really is an almighty God. His name is El Shaddai, the Bible says. It means mighty God. Or El Elyon, the most high God. Or Adonai, the Lord and Master. Or Yahweh, the Lord Jehovah. Or Jehovah Nissi, the Lord my banner. Or Jehovah Ra, the Lord my shepherd. Or Jehovah Ratha, the Lord that heals. Or Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. Or El Alam, the, the everlasting God. Or Elohim, God Almighty. Again, Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord is peace. Jehovah Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts. You see, God is Almighty God, but is He truly Almighty God in our lives? Do we believe God is El Shaddai, the Mighty God? Revelation eleven sixteen 16 says, And the four and twenty elders which sat before God on their seats fell upon their faces and worshipped God, saying, We give thee thanks, O Lord God Almighty, which art and wast and art to come because thou hast taken to thee thy, power, thy great power and hast reigned. God reigns. And he says, this God who art and wast and art to come. You see, we finally face God when we see him at his throne. And one day we'll all stand before God. One day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. And in that moment, we'll understand he really is almighty God. He was and is and is to come. He was and we read about him. He is to come and we read about him. But the most important thing at this point of our lives is that he is. He is. And we can read his very words. We can be filled with his presence. We can be guided by his spirit. We can be led by his wisdom. But are we? You see, that's why I get you to say amen right at the very beginning. Because right now it gets real quiet. And everybody just stares at me. And I know that I'm the most good looking thing in this room. But, but the fact is, is that we have to look inside. Say, Brother Hooker, where do you get these kind of messages? Well, usually God's just whooping the fire out of me. And I figure if I need it, somebody else might need it. That's what happens, really. You see, how's that happen? Well, it just happens when I catch myself just making my own decisions. Yeah. I catch myself allowing things that, that I know he said he didn't want. I catch myself saying and doing things or feeling emotions that I know God doesn't want in my life. Yet, they've been going on for too long. So what happened? What I took was I took my God and I molded him into what I wanted him to be. What's the hindrance? The most important point of our lives is right now, he is God. We can read his very words. We can be filled with his presence and guided by his spirit. But what is the hindrance to be and guided by the Spirit of God. What will hinder us? 
Well, it goes further than, Randy, if you come back and bring our little God here, it goes further than that, actually. You see, what we do is, once we remold him, then at times we decide, I don't like that part. You know what, and that's just not fitting what I want to go. And so, this is where we end up as our God. So I believe in God. What God? What God do we really believe in? Thank you, Randy. Sit down. We remold our God. We do not worship other gods. We wouldn't do that. We do not create idols. We wouldn't do that. We serve God, but we reshape God to fit our desires instead of allowing God to reshape us. If God is truly Almighty God, then we cannot change Him to serve Him. We must change ourselves to be more like Him. How do we reshape God? Now, I want you to listen to this, and this is hopefully this will apply and, and make sense, but how do we reshape God? We reshape God primarily by reshaping His Word. This is done literally through the changing of the Word of God. But also it's done mentally and spiritually by accepting what we agree with and rejecting that which we do not agree or displeases us or keeps us from what we desire. We can have the, we can have the Bible and have every word that's supposed to be there, but, but when we choose what we want, choose what we believe, choose what we accept... I've given you this illustration, but that nothing blows a fuse in my brain any more than, than going to somebody and saying, do you believe the Word of God? Brother Yarn, do you believe the Word of God? And I'll go to them and say, they believe the Word of God. And they say, yes, every word of it. Especially if you're a good Southerner. Yeah, honey, every word of it. And I'll say, well, the Bible says this. And here's the next statement. Well, I don't know if I agree with that. I said, but wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's go back now. Do you believe this is the word of God? Remember, God Almighty? Anybody? You remember that part I was preaching about? God Almighty? And they says, yes, I'm telling you, cover to cover. I believe every word of it. Well, good. Here's what it says. Well, I, I don't know that I agree with that. Okay, just help me, folks. I'm about to put a bullet in my head because I can't understand that reasoning. But see, that's what we do all the time. And you say, why? Because God's really not God. And because His Word's really not His Word. great example of this is found in Jeremiah chapter 36, verse 1. It says, It came to pass in the fourth year of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of 
Judah that this word came unto Jeremiah from the Lord. Notice that? This word came to Jer- unto Jeremiah from the Lord. Holy men of old were moved by the Holy Spirit. And t- to take thee a roll of a, of a book and write therein all the words that are spoken unto thee against Israel and against Judah and against all the nations from the day I spake unto thee from the days of Josiah even unto this day. It may be that the house of Judah, and look, this is why God writes what he writes in his word. It may be that the house of Judah will hear all the evil which I purpose to do unto them, that they may return every man from his evil way, that I may forgive their iniquity and their sin. God wrote this for us not to condemn us. He wrote it for us to wake us up so we'd come back to him. Jeremiah 36, 13, then Micaiah declared unto them all the words that he had heard when Baruch read the book in the ears of the people. Therefore, all the princes sent Jehudah, the son of Nathaniah, and son of Shelemiah, and the son of Cushai, unto Baruch, saying, Take in thine hand the roll wherein thou hast read in the ears of the people, and come. And so Baruch, the, the son of Neriah, took the roll in his hand and came unto them. And they said unto him, Sit down now and read it in our ears. So Baruch read it in their ears. Now it came to pass when they heard all these words, they were afraid, both one and other, and said unto Baruch, uh, will, We will surely tell the king of all these words. Now, you know, the word of God came to this first group of people and they got, whoa, God's speaking. These are some people that respected God and respected his word. So they take it to the king. So the king sent Jehudah to fetch the roll and he took it out of Elishama, the scribe's chamber, and Jehudah read it in the ears of the king and in the ears of all the princes which stood beside the king. Now the king sat in the winter house in the ninth month and there was a fire on the hearth burning before him and it came to pass that when Jehudah had read three or four leaves, he cut it with a penknife and cast it into the fire that was on the hearth until all the roll was consumed in the fire that was on the hearth. Yet they were not afraid, nor rent their garments, neither the king nor any of his servants that heard all these words. You see, that's what happens. And whether we admit it or not, so often we just kind of cut out that portion that we don't agree with. We must believe that God is Almighty God and that He has given us His Word and we have the Word of God available to us. So the Master, Adonai, Lord and Master, has given us His Word and preserved His Word and given it to us. My wife was going to have a Bible study with the ladies and I don't know, you had, what you had, probably 20 ladies there or something and and there at the house, and, and uh, she said, where, you know, we were talking about where to begin. And, uh, and I told her, I said, baby, you've got to begin with the fact of believing this really is the Word of God. Because if we don't believe this is the Word of God, then really nothing's changing. Because then it becomes every man's opinion. Then it becomes every man does that which is right in his own eyes. And the scripture says when you do that which is right in your own eyes, that's a fool. So whose eyes we got to do right in? God's eyes. God's right. 
Folks, there's got to be an absolute authority someplace. There's got to be somebody greater than us in this old planet. Or we, watch this, if there's not, we are living to exist and existing to live. But when there's an almighty God, and when that almighty God gave us a plan of salvation, he gave us a plan of living out our salvation on this earth. He gave us a plan. It's here. It's real. And when we believe that, can I tell you something? You may not always agree with it. It may not always feel good. It may not always please you. But watch this. If you'll humble and submit to it, you got a purpose in life. You got a reason to live. There's something different when God works in our lives. Suddenly I have purpose. Is He master? Is He Lord? And I don't mean that you're in perfection, but is that your desire? Our banner, our sustainer, our shepherd. Why is this so important? Because so many of us, listen to this. Why am I preaching this? Because so many of us, whether we admit it or not, listen to me, so many of us get up in the morning, get dressed, to eat breakfast, to go to work, to come home, to eat supper, to watch TV, to go to bed, to get up, and start it all over again. We're just existing. We're living to exist. God gives us purpose. Now, why do we hand out food here? Because people have physical needs, and we should try to meet those physical needs. And because God says, if you don't, you know, if you you say you love them and and they got a physical need and you won't meet it, then you really don't really much love them. And so we, we're going to try as much as we're able in a small church. And I tell them every time we can't give much and we don't have much, but what we have, we will give. And so they come. But can I tell you the, the real blessing and the real purpose behind it? it? It can just be drudgery, even just, you know, let me go get some more food and let me go bring it out here and I'm going to hand it to you who you got, uh, you and your daughter both have a uh, $700 uh, cell phones and you're driving a nicer car than I drive. But here you go. That can be kind of discouraging. But when you take that and say, here's the requirements. If you have a need, I'm not asking any questions. I'm going to give. Amen. Before you leave, can I ask you a question? And get to stand right out here and tell a mom and a daughter how they can know they have eternal life Amen. from the Word of God. And suddenly, we're not just going through the motions of handing out food. Suddenly, we have a purpose in life. That other lives can be changed and other lives can be salvaged. What's the conclusion? Until we find Christ, it is impossible that we will find a true purpose in life. Many try to do so by service, by the Peace Corps, by philanthropy. But ultimately, true purpose is only found in the eternal, never in the temporal.
And when you begin to live for the eternal, when you begin to live for God, whatever you do in life, if you want God to direct what you do, you're starting to live for a purpose. What should this schedule be that changes everything about our purpose? Let me give you a life with purpose schedule. Get up and spend some time with God and His Word. Yield to God and His Word for your day, your life, and your divine purpose. Number two, eat breakfast and thank God for that breakfast that He has provided for you. Number three, ask God to help and direct you at work so your work can be for God's purpose. Number four, make some money. Ask God for wisdom to be a good steward of what He has provided you. Number five, give to God and to God's work and pay your bills and debts on time every time and pay off as fast as you can. Be generous to help others and, oh yes, buy you some things. Number six, go home and teach your children to do all of the above so that they have a purpose in their life. Love your wife, love your husband, love your children. I could have six daughters right now that could be making a, a lot of money. They're very intelligent, very talented. But can I tell you, there's no greater joy than to know that your children walk in truth. To know that one is in Africa by her husband and they've already been in their service five hours ago. Reaching people in villages that nobody else wants to reach. To know that, that they're in Cincinnati and they're in North Carolina and they're in Indiana and they're all over this country and all over this world trying to tell somebody about Christ this morning. Right now, while we're here, they're standing beside their husbands doing the same thing. Why? Because I'll be honest with you, we didn't teach them how to make the most money they could make. Oh, I'm thrilled that God would bless them. I'm thrilled when their finances are taken care of because it means I don't have to. And I'm thrilled that they're energetic and I'm thrilled that they're intelligent and I'm thrilled that they, they do, they, they honestly, they do well. But I'm mostly thrilled that they have a purpose in their life. Number seven, gather around the table for supper, pray, talk, praise, teach. Enjoy your family as, as you eat what God has provided you from your labors. Number eight, relax and enjoy time with the family. This may include watching something, but remember Psalm 101, verse 3, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. Number nine, talk to God, walk with God, talk to your spouse, go to bed with peace in your heart that you've done the will of God and the purpose of God, and tomorrow you may find the desire to get up and start a day out with purpose. 
If you've never trusted Christ, this formula and procedure that I just read to you is is a ritual, not a relationship. But if you're saved, it can become a relationship, not a ritual. So pretty plain and direct, but the truth is, is we got to, forgive me, but put God back together and let him be God. And it starts with salvation. And I know I haven't been super entertaining today, and, and uh, this has been more kind of direct, but, but I beg you, please, please, look at me just for a second. I beg you, please. I've lived without purpose. And it just gets to the point of, you start asking yourself, if you're honest, why do I exist? Why am I going through this? And I'm going to beg you to please, it starts by opening up the Bible and open up the Word of God and saying, Lord, I believe this is your Word by faith. I believe I possess the Word of God. Then what you've written are principles and truths that will help me have a good life, that will help my marriage, to help my family, and help me make a difference in this old wicked world. I can make a difference. Would you please? That's why I said it starts right here in our own selves. It's reviewing our own hearts. I'll ask you to bow your heads, and I'll, as I always do, I'll just ask you a question. And 